Hi there. I'm Bunny Terry, and you're listening to the I Love New Mexico podcast. Whether you're a native New Mexican who's lived here for your entire life, or you're just considering a visit, this episode is for you. Join us as we share a lot of New Mexico stories, talk about all things New Mexico, and include topics like what's magical here, where you ought to visit, what's happening, and the things you absolutely cannot miss in the land of enchantment. We're excited that you're here, and we can't wait to show you what an amazing place New Mexico is. Because, let's face it, I love New Mexico. This episode is part two of my interview with my parents, Kenneth and Betty Terry. If you missed part one last week, please go check it out. They have amazing stories, and and I just couldn't fit our entire conversation into one episode. I hope you enjoy part two, and I hope you'll stay tuned for more great stories about New Mexico. If this is the first episode that you're listening to that has my parents, please be aware that my dad is 90 years old. He has a lot of great stories to tell. He is a rather slow conversationalist. So if you feel like you need to increase the speed on your podcast to um, sit through his stories, feel welcome to, but I got to tell you, he has great stories. Thanks for being here. I remember you talking about how you got the milk money. That's always kind of fascinated me. Well, all the time, all of this time, Pop always kept milk cows because he had a lot of people that could milk, was able to, and finally was able to, rather than just let the cream rise on the milk we ended up with a cream separator, international brand that he bought for half of it down. And the rest of it, he finally got paid off. And our job each morning and night, winter, summer, whatever, we was milking anywhere from 6 to 14 cows and separating the milk. You didn't get to drink too much of the milk until it was separated and got the cream out of it. Done a lot of that outside, and he finally got a government loan and put a little old building up that we could carry the milk from the barn by hand up to this little separator room. Got a few cans and shipped the cream after that into Kansas. By the railroad, it used to be in San Juan. We had to take it down there. How it kept, I never did know, and nobody ever asked. Because it wasn't a refrigerated car, was it? No. You just put it on the car and it went to Kansas? No, we just put it, <laughs> put it on, the on the depot and the train picked it up. Was how did how did they know which can, how did they know which was your cream? Oh, they had, you got to have had tags and on the cans on the cans okay and um, then they mailed you a check for the cream the check would come on back the in the mail it was on a postcard and it was a check and that's how people said well you mean i said no all the wpa money and stuff was strictly for food 
garden seeds and stuff like that. The milk checked it. And if he put mom in charge of that literally, and about once every year, each one of us boys would get a new pair of shoes whenever we got big enough. For the milk money. Milk money. Oh, and we raised, you raised hogs that you could feed, that they drank oh, yeah. the milk, the pigs well, uh, were. All the time it was milk and popping found some old lumber and built some chicken houses. And we were getting probably 30 eggs a day. And when they were babies, we had a little baby room for them. And we'd order 200 at a time. Had a brooder stove. And they come in day-old chickens. In the mail? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they come in the mail. The mailman come. And he said... <laughs> I remember him saying to Pop one time, Pop said, this mail boy job's pretty good. And he said, yeah, this time of year it smells a whole lot like chicken manure. <laughs> It'd come in a little square box. It had four compartments, and each compartment would have up to 50 chickens in day-old sweet beer. And you got them out, and you had to be real careful because they were just a ball of fur. If they come when it's too cold or too wet, they would pile up and die. We've had them smother each other. In the box or no. when you got them in the no brooder? No way. Chicken house. Absolutely. to the little brooder room. Somehow or other, he had managed to get him. Brooder stove, it was a hood, about the size of a big dining table that set up about eight inches off the floor, and it run off a kerosene, and you lit it very carefully, and you usually get, if you spent all night laying out there with them, but they came as three runs, they were not sexed. So you had to wait till they got bigger to see which was the roosters and which was the hens. Did you end up with a lot of roosters? No, because that's what we kill to eat. Oh, okay. Well, roosters we keep. And the pullets. What is a pullet? Young hen. Pullet is a hen. That's not laying yet? We never did eat no pullets. You got to save that and she'll lay eggs. And then, of course... You finally get to the point where they're big enough, you got to get rid of them. So we had a family kill day. A week? <laughs> Mom, you can tell them about the Oh, uh, yeah, I wanted to hear about the chicken. Well, we all had chickens. This was after we were married uh, that I'm going to talk about. They did some of that earlier before we married, but we all had chickens. And one day would be at our house over at Granny and Pop's Terry's. And Pop usually killed the chickens, wrung their neck, killed them, and skinned them. And then there was us. There was Marvin and Chris, Ellie and Rena, Milton and Farrell, and Thelma. Five different houses. And we would one day at each house. And we were set up kind of an assembly line, and we killed them. We cut them up. There was a lot, at least a hundred a day. 
and we put them in bags and we took them to San Juan. And that was before we had deep freezes at home. And we all had rented a locker space at the grocery store in San Juan. And we filled those chickens into the locker space. And when we went to the grocery store, we took our key to our locker and we went in and took ever how many home with us that we could keep. By that time, we usually had ice boxes with some ice that we could keep them. Maybe refrigerators most of the time by then and keep them frozen for a few days. So you went to see Papa Ayers because you wanted to ask him to marry my mama. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about that. Well, I put it off a while. I didn't want to have to talk to Papa. I just wanted to get married. And I was, I was really all for shit had lately. <laughs> well, that. And of course, at that time, his brother Tom was living in the same house as him. And when I'd go to pick her up, neither one of them would talk to me. They just sit there in their chairs. Yeah, but Dad, they didn't talk to anybody, did they? No, I wasn't because they didn't like But I think he thought there's a dang smart aleck kid again. And Uncle Tom would sit there in his chair. And while I was trying to make conversation, he'd say, Oh, um. He did? Oh, um. <laughs> and I was looking Betty, so I told her while I was courting her, you better be ready to go out that door pretty dang quick when I drive up. Sure enough, she got to where she nearly come out before I got to the door. So I wasn't necessarily scared of them, but I didn't know how to talk to them because they wouldn't talk to me. They were not what you call real talkative. So when I finally said to him, need to talk to you, they all say, let's go to the barn and talk. And we kind of ambled off out there like, you know. And I said, they told me that I got to ask you if I can marry Betty. Now, now hang on, Dad. How old were you? Seven. I still. Still 17. 17. I still 17. This was after me and Papa become partners on the farm. You and your dad. Yeah, and I was already knowing I had to go get back on the tractor the day after the wedding. And he said, you guys are pretty young. And there was a thing or two I don't really remember about pretty good job. But all of my kids have graduated from high school. And Betty's just a junior. We promised to keep her in school. I said, well, I'll see to that. Sure enough, what she done. She finished school. And she was the valedictorian, wasn't she? Yeah, and she was the valedictorian. So he knew how to pick her mate. <laughs> and he said, I'll give my okay. Well, now hang on. I want to. 
I want to hear from mom about that. Did you, how long after that did you get married? Probably six months after he asked because oh. he was, maybe it was longer, but, uh, or maybe it wasn't that long. I don't remember exactly, but he liked two weeks being 18 when we got married. I liked two months being 16 when we got married. And we went to San Juan to the, Baptist preacher, who we were going to church there pretty well then, uh, Gwen and Tubby, J.L. Smith, and Ken and I, He, Brother Arnold married us, and he said, I've performed a lot of marriages, first time I've ever married four kids, <laughs> and we were out in the yard, actually, a sandy pasture-like place and probably 10 people there a few Christelle Marvin and a few of the Terry's Granny Terry was there but my mother mama didn't go to anybody's wedding and so we got married we went to the drugstore what was the date May the 12th 1950 we went down to the drugstore where Ellie and Rena Fate owned, and they, we all had milkshakes. Laughed and cut up for a little while and left. Okay, Dad. So I heard this story all my life about how you had to borrow money to pay the preacher. Is that right? Well, the times were pretty rough, and I didn't have much money. And when we get, went to get the license they had to sign for Betty and me both. So Moars paid for the marriage license. Three dollars. Three dollars. Wow. Did you have to go to Tucumcari to get that license? Oh, yeah. Courthouse. Yeah. And then the day of the wedding, Brother Arnold, the preacher, was just the sweetest old man in the world. I remember him. He was a God's great gift to the ministry. He wouldn't have hurt anybody unless they'd been bothering his wife. So Mom stuck out five dollars and said, "You need to pay the preacher." <laughs> so that's the way we got that done. We had high plans for that, and we stopped back by the grocery store and bought groceries for the first time. Did you know what to buy? Absolutely not. A little bit of sugar and milk and eggs, and that was about it. And the guy who owned the little grocery store out there in the country said, I'll give you this bill of groceries for a wedding present. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> but we really didn't have anything to eat, some bread, butter, I guess. Nothing much. But we were next door to Mom and Pop, and... All of the family was always there, so we all ate together, and I have to cook very much. So I suspect one of my favorite stories is about people in your family moving to the weaning house, which is what you call that house out behind Granny and yeah. Papa Terry's. Well, we didn't have no plans for the wedding night. Because you had to go to work the next morning. And I had to go to work the next morning. So Marvin and Christelle had a house then, so they said what they are going to do. It's going to go over and spend the night with Mom and Paul Harris. Let us have that out. Well, that was fancy, wasn't it? It was fancy. 
<laughs> so sure enough, that was her wedding map. As early as I could the next morning. Did I go straight to the field? I think you did. Took her by. Well, was that when Grandma and Grandpa Ayers lived on the highway? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the only place they ever lived except that other place. Okay. Okay. I went back to the field and I think it was noon before I got to see her again. And when did you move into the weaning house, Mom? I think we went and spent one night with Mama and Papa. And then we moved into the weaning house because I cooked breakfast for him the next morning. And that was quite a memorable. Cooked. Oh, let's, let's let Dad <laughs> tell that story. Tell us about that first breakfast she cooked for you. Well, she got up and was coming around and she said, Breakfast ready. I went in there and I never saw oats like that in my life. <laughs> I kept trying to eat them with a spoon and tried to do a little everything. Were they and stiff? And then I made the <laughs> classic <laughs> mistake the newlywed. I said, I sure wish you could cook oats like your mother does. And she hit me right between the eyes with a glass salt shaker. <laughs> now, I mean square between the eyes. And I look she gave me, and I ate them oats. <laughs> and I cut them with a knife, and I done it. <laughs> oh, that's a good after that, she got better. She sure did. She did. Okay, now you you got to tell tell a little bit about the weaning house because it's a little house, a little one bedroom house behind Three Granny rooms. and Grandpa Terry. So, Three rooms. several years earlier, when Ellie and Rena Fay got married, they built this little house back behind Mom and Pop Terry's. House, three little rooms, kitchen, living room, bedroom, no electricity, a path, not a bath. Well, what, what does that mean, Mom? No bathroom. So you went out to a toilet. To an outhouse. Outhouse. Three room and a path. Path, yeah. And uh, then. Did you have running water? Uh, we did have one faucet and a little sink in the kitchen. But when uh, when Ellie and Rena moved out a few years later, two years probably, Marvin and Chris got married, and they lived in the weaning house for maybe two years, year and a half, and they had the same facilities, and then they moved into a house, and Kenneth and I got married, and we lived there for two and a half years. Well, now, what about... Who came, didn't it end up with electricity? It did. When Edward came home and from the war, yeah, my older brother, he had done some electrical work in the service. And he said, as a gift to y'all, I'll put electricity in your little house. And he gave us one plug in each room and a light bulb hanging from the ceiling from each in each room. And uh, that's the way we lived until Clee was about a year old and we moved to another farm. But we, we had no 
problem with living that close with two little babies. One of them was 15 months older than the other one, and we had no idea that we were had a lot to do. We Lots of sandstorms. We covered the windows and doors with quilts lots of nights to be able to breathe. So we just lived. We, we were happy. We shoveled sand before we went to bed nearly every night out of that house. But and we didn't know sand that. And with a sand scoop, yeah. Well, now, Dad, you were talking about farming with your dad. Um, I mean, did you always, you wanted to be a farmer all your life? I never had done nothing else <laughs> except hide weeds and drive a tractor. Well, hang on. I want, I've always heard this story from Christelle, who's your older sister, Mom. What'd she, what'd you tell her when you got married, when she got married to Marvin? Who is Dad's brother? Chris was three years older than me, and Marvin, a little older than her. I went to their wedding, and it was kind of the same way, although it was in a church, but with only 10 or 12 people there. Nothing big. We didn't believe in lavish weddings. And uh, I said to her before we, when she was getting ready to go to the wedding, you just go ahead and marry this old dirt farmer. And I loved Marvin. He was my one of my idols. But uh, you just get married to him, and, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, one of these days, you'll be able to say, I've got a sister in high society. <laughs> and a year and a half later, I was married to that <laughs> brother <laughs> and happy with it. Okay, so now let's talk about the farming part. Because that's some work. What would you raise? Was I ready? Well, no. What did you raise as a crop? Boom corn and green sorghum, milo, and Pop and I was partners all the home place. Mm -hmm. It was broke out, and that was about 400 and some odd acres. Wow, did you have a tractor? Okay. Yeah, we had a tractor. Yeah. Told a story the other day about Pop's first tractor. That's a good story. I'd like to hear it again. Well, he had had that first tractor, the old Alice Chalmer, that he ran over the well with because it wouldn't go whoa. Because he was used to having a horse, having a horse pull his plow. Well, Pop had always plowed till he got that tractor with the two team, Nig and John. Mm-hmm. But in 46, right after the war, they were trying to to have a help to the farmers. Mm -hmm. And until that time, the war effort took all of the manufacturing. But they started making tractors. And because of age and years of farming, Bob put in four and got a two-row H farm all tractor. We had that. But in 47, some of the boys got tractors that were veterans. Ellie and Melton and Winkgaudy and all of them guys got the M's, which was four-row tractor. Wow. So you did 400 acres with a four-row tractor? 
Most of it with the two wheel tractor. Oh. But, but your dad didn't know how to stop that tractor, did he? No, not the old tractor. He knew how, but he got excited. He never had had one. And he was going to go get water that first morning. We had an old sled that he usually hooked the two horses to. And I rode on it, and it had two barrels, 55-gallon barrel, steel barrels that pulled it down a quarter of a mile to the well and had a windlass with a bucket, and we drawed up three gallons at a time. And Is that your household water? Yeah, we took oh. it. Took it up, parked it right out east of the house, mm -hmm. and put two number two tubs over the top of it. They didn't have. You went out there and dipped water out you needed for the house. Wow. Okay. And uh, you didn't waste any. I bet. No. You didn't have water fights. <laughs> no, whenever you got caught. But he had gotten to where he could kind of run that H pretty good. But I run that tractor. And somewhere I actually cannot remember how he got one of them tractors that, that he bought from the boys that they mm -hmm. love. So we had an H and an M. But he was still awful busy because we had to prepare the ground, then go to the house and put the planters on, plant them. Then we had to cultivate the baby crops. And pray for rain. Pray for rain. Because there wasn't uh, irrigation. No irrigation. And the wind at Sandy Land. We prayed the wind wouldn't blow too hard. Because if it blowed straight down the road on that baby crop, it, the heat would burn it and you'd have to replant. Then you've got it up so high and then you cultivate it and let it grow to maturity or until the broom corn was ready to pull. It was pretty busy most of the time. After Betty and I got moved into the little house, she's always bringing me iced tea and stuff to the field. Take I, mean, it. I was told you're supposed to do that. Huh? <laughs> I was told you were supposed to. I was supposed to do that. <laughs> he was told. I was told. Who I told your mom? Probably. Well, I was the baby of the family. My mama still looked out for me too. <laughs> and she never. She lived a full life. I don't guess she ever drove a vehicle. Oh, she didn't. Oh, she never drove. Not that I know. Of. She put up with a lot of different different things. She always had people around to drive for her. But I didn't drive either till after we got married. Yeah, there's a lot of stories that go along with that. <laughs> let's, let's skip that part. 
uh, way back there before we got what most kids and grandkids might be interested in was whenever I went into the trucking business when I was still courting Betty. And I went into the trucking business because when I was 14, I got my driver's license. Oh, yeah. And we didn't have nothing with them. You couldn't buy no vehicle because of the war effort and the trying to reconstruct after World War II. And I kept on trying to find a rig so I could court Betty. This was back in courting days. And finally, we had a pretty good crop, and a lot of the grain had to go on the ground because the wind was blowing the stalks over, and we had to combine it grain and pile it on the road. Pop found a ton and a half Ford, 47 Ford truck that used to be a semi. That'll make them think. And the old boy traded it off, and he said, it's got a bed on it, and I'll sign your note at the bank, and you can use it to court Betty. <laughs> but we got to haul up all of that grain off. Burl wants a lot of it in Los Lunas at his dairy. Oh, your brother-in-law. Yeah, Rhoda. No, yeah, yeah, your brother-in-law, yeah. Rhoda's husband, Antonella's mm -hmm. dad. Right. And I said, I can do that. You were 14? Well, I had driver's license, 14, 15. Yeah. So we had all that grain on the ground, hard ground, hard road. And he said, Burl wants a load of grain. And I'd gotten to go pick her up two or three times. In the grain truck. Yeah, that's all I had. <laughs> Man, I was a rich truck. And you have to remember that this was during the time of old 66. Right. Two-lane Route 66. Two-lane 66 across the United States. Yeah. And this in here with the load would run 35 to 40 some. Never much on 40 except downhill. Praying somebody didn't stop in front of you. <laughs> My dad didn't get to drive until he was 42. He never had to drive in a car until after. And he wouldn't drive that truck. Here I was 14 with Mama sitting in the middle, Pop sitting over by the door for nearly eight hours to get to Los Lunas. We didn't get into Los Lunas. We went to, and on 66, you went straight into Albuquerque. Right. Then you went over to Isleta and went through Isleta. Uh-huh. And headed towards Los Lunas. Right. And you went to the Bosque Farms. Mm -hmm. And that's where Burl and Rody had their dairy. And then milking probably 20, 25 cows. And they'd see us coming down the road. And the minute Burl seen us coming down the road, he went out there and hooked his old tractor up to a hammer mill to beat that Milo into mush. 
to feed to his dairy cows, and I didn't get to get out of that truck oh. and until I, I backed up to this hammer mill and scooped every bit of it over into this hammer mill that bloated into a granary. And when we got through, Rody always had a good meal and some kind of pie. And sometimes Rody's boys, Wilbur, Henry, help a little bit, but not much. We probably made that time five or six of them loads. Oh, you did it more than once. Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, I was trucking. <laughs> and old 60. You for that truck. And they just, just popped his set over there and dozed a little bit. And Mom read me every sign on the highway. And sometimes it get nearly dark and they have poor lights. We nearly hit horses on the road a number of times and stuff. And old 66, regardless of people, it was the greatest road that ever happened to the United States. But it was a very narrow two-lane road. Was there a lot of traffic? You better believe it. Oh. <laughs> and pile up behind him. And most of them was running 40, 45, and 50. And they were pretty thoughtful when they made it. They put turnouts. Oh, yeah. And I'd look behind me and there'd be eight or ten cars. They couldn't pass. There's too many coming the other mm -hmm. direction. I'd pull off. Did you ever have a flat tire? No. Huh. No? And I got back home. And as soon as I got back home, I went to haul them out to took them carry. And I'd go down there early in the morning and load a load. And even to Tucum carry that 10,000 pounds would take an hour, an hour and a half. But the thing about it, when I got it to the elevator where Pop was selling it, they had a lift. I didn't have to scoop it off. And I'd get up there, get, one off, get another one loaded. Gas was cheap. I'd buy my own gas. How much was gas? Oh, at that time, like that is 17 cents. And the truck done pretty good on gas. A lot better than I do now. And then about that time, we was getting up pretty close to where we were thinking about getting married. And Pop found an old one-ton Ford pickup. We could trade this truck in on it. Man, I'm proud of that. It was no big one. One ton F3. What year? 47, I think. Okay. No, that truck was 49, I guess. Ford Green. The year before we got married? Yeah. And wow, I was, was it new, Dad? Did you get a new truck? No, it wasn't new. Oh. And it was one we had when we married. And of course... All farmers who had worth their salt had a big pickup, and they picked sideboards on it where they could haul the grain in the pickup. Yeah. Well, so, Mom, t tell us a little bit about what it was like living in Porter and San Juan with all that family around. I mean, did you, I mean, what'd you do for fun? We had a, a constant family, either the Cherries or the Ayers's. 
The Terry's were actually a, a much more fun party family. Were they different from your family? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Terry's were more boisterous. They might get into a, a big political fight. Anything that they could find to argue about, they liked that. But before we all left to go home, everybody was loving each other's neck, and we just uh, had a lot of fun. The heirs were more quiet, kind of like Papa. Well, some of the in-laws drank a little. Oh, yeah. Some of those Terry's had fun with some drinking. They got over that <laughs> after the years. But uh, Sunday, Sundays were either at Grandma Ayers's or Grandma Terry's. Every Sunday we all gathered. The, at all, we seldom had a Saturday at home, a Sunday. And everybody had three or four kids, and the kids had fun. And the grandmas had lots of food, and I don't know if we even took food. I can't remember if we took food. We just went and ate their food and, and there was a played lot. a lot of food. <laughs> and we, both of these families were close-knit and uh, very loving families. And our kids grew up knowing all their cousins were close. We might have a lot of ups and downs and not a lot of sickness in either family. It was just, we were just a fun, loving American family and loved it that way. I wanted to pop back in right here because we really never came to an end in this conversation. As you can imagine, my parents love to tell stories, but it's also a little taxing for them to talk for an hour or more. Thank you all for listening to these episodes with Ken and Betty. I'm so glad that they agreed to be on the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed hearing their stories as much as I enjoyed talking to them. Thanks for listening to the I Love New Mexico podcast, and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and at the links in the show description. If you're liking what you're hearing, please feel free to review and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thanks so much. Zone. There's one thing that's on my